0: So the bumper piece that just preceded this uh, had some scenes in there that I hope capture your attention just a little bit. Uh, we live in times that are full of challenges for us. And whether it's the medical challenges that we face or the economic challenges that grow out of that, the social unrest that's there and uh, some of the things that are triggering some of that social unrest, there's just so many elements of life in 2020 that they really do challenge us. Uh, that I think it's important that we kind of pause every once in a while and just kind of settle into who we are and what God offers to us. Uh, I say that because, you know, as children of God, as those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have tasted the life that he gives, um, he, he, we have some resource that, that other people don't have. It's not that it's not available. It's just that until they place their trust in him, it, it's not theirs. But that faith that we have provides the opportunity for us to hold on in those challenging times. But the times can be so challenging that they begin to to stretch us in our faith. Uh, I, I want to recommend a book to you. I, I do that from time to time because I, th- I think good reading is part of Our own development but this is a book by John Ortberg and uh, it's called Eternity is now in session it's a great book it's a great picture of what I think the Christian life is and and what eternal life is not just that quantity of time but the quality of life as we know it as followers of Jesus Christ and he hits this idea of challenging times and things and situations that challenge our faith and, and really help us to understand that sometimes our faith is good up to a point, but we can go past that point and all of a sudden our faith is, a, is in itself on trial. So he tells a story in this and I'm gonna read the way he wrote this. I normally don't like to read to you like this, but uh, I like the way he said it. The situation was he had a friend who uh, gave him a birthday present when uh, Ortberg turned a certain age. He said, okay, here's what I wanna do for you. I wanna take you paragliding. And so they went up on the mountain and or to the launch point and they had the full um, school, the education, if you will, of what it means to paraglide and how the the, uh, paraglider works and all of that. And in his mind, Ortberg said, "I, I understood all of those things and I believed what I needed to. But then he says this and I'll read now. When I was sitting back far away from the edge of the cliff, I thought I believed what I had heard. But he says, when I got to the edge My knees did not believe it. And my palms and my armpits did not believe it. And then he closes that little section by saying, it turns out that as the edge got closer, my belief got weaker. What a great picture of how many of us as Christians respond to the challenges that we're facing today. We have faith to a point, but some things in life and sometimes Those situations challenge us. That takes us to our text today. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk. Actually, we're going to do the whole book of Habakkuk today. And uh, that means, as you know, that I can only hit a few texts. But I really want to encourage you to read the entire book. It's in that section of the Old Testament called the Minor Prophets. And Habakkuk understands something about this challenged faith. And so he says in chapter one, verses one, and the first part of verse two, the oracle that Habakkuk, the prophet saw, and here's what Habakkuk says, "O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save. Habakkuk is facing a situation. He's a contemporary of Jeremiah, almost certainly. Uh, he's writing and prophesying a little bit before the time of Daniel and the exiles that went off. Uh, to Babylon, and Habakkuk is seeing things that are going uh, going on around him, and he knows that it's not right, and he's wondering, where's God in all of this? In other words, the situation was challenging him at a level that caused him a bit of uh, unease. So when that's you, and when you're the one whose confidence is shaken, you're the one whose faith is good to a point, but you seem to be passing that point and you're starting to wonder just a little bit about where is God in all of this. Uh, How should you respond to that? I'm going to suggest to you today that out of the book of Habakkuk, there are some principles. I, I count seven, actually. We're only going to try to hit three of them today, but principles that help us to hold on when we find ourselves in those challenging situations. So when the bottom drops out, hold on. Let your faith work. And as we look through Habakkuk today, we'll understand a little bit of what, about what that means. I like what one commentator said about the book of Habakkuk. It, it, they said this, It is a book for all faithful people who find themselves, quote, in the meantime, end quote. In the meantime, there means that uh, things are not going the way we think they should. We believe that God is capable, but he hasn't shown himself to be active at the level we're looking for. And so we live in the meantime, between those times where God has proven himself and is yet to prove himself, we live in the meantime. That's Habakkuk's message. And it's summarized in our key verse today, which is Habakkuk chapter two, verse four, and the first part of verse four, where it says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Such a powerful statement. That statement was picked up by the apostle Paul. We find it in Romans where he talks about our uh, faith and that saving faith in Jesus Christ. The writer of Hebrews picks up that same phrase, and the just, the righteous shall live by faith. So as we go into this time and as we look deeper into the book of Habakkuk, I'm gonna invite you to consider what's going on around you, where's God in that, and how will you hold on to your faith? We're going to give you some time to talk about these things. A couple of uh, discussion questions come up. So whether you're by yourself and reflect on it or in a group where you can discuss it, we want you to do that now. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for the way it hits us right where we live. Give us minds that are open and sharp this morning that we might hear the message of Habakkuk, And apply it into our 2020 reality. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about situations and particularly the the situation that we're in and have been in now for a while. But we're talking about these situations that have a way of kind of settling in on us and shaking our confidence in God just a little bit. I know that just that statement that I just made is enough to challenge some of us. Uh, it challenges us because we know that we should have total faith in God. We, we know that he's up to it, whatever it happens to be. We know that he's capable and loving and involved in all of that. And so in the best level of thinking, we think we should not have shaken confidence when it comes to what God is doing. But sometimes situations are big enough that they kind of steal our heart away from that. And so we, we began to question, you know, is God in this? Maybe it's a health concern, a nagging kind of a health thing that you've had for years. Or, you know, maybe it's relationships that you want to fix and can't get fixed. And over a period of time, it just that constant drag on how we have to face those things has a way of sometimes shaking our confidence in God. And so when that happens with us, I think we should ask the question, how should we respond to that? How do we respond to that? And then how should we respond to that? And so that gets me to the first principle. We're in Habakkuk 1. And I've already read part of this. I'm gonna come back and read some more. But in, in Habakkuk 1, we find this principle. And it's a key one for us as we step into acknowledging this kind of shaken confidence. And that is that it's okay to talk about where we are. When you find yourself kind of questioning what's going on, it's okay to talk to God about that and to call it what it is, especially when you're struggling, it's okay. We find ourselves in the first four verses, and I've already read verse one. Let me go back and pick up in verse two. We'll read verses two through four. And Habakkuk says, and this is his first complaint in this book He says, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. Sounds like the streets of America these days. Verse four, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. That's his complaint. Essentially, uh, uh, Habakkuk is saying to God, all of these things that you've taught me to be sensitive to are going on and you are nowhere to be found in all of this. It's a, that's an incredible statement. Uh, and it speaks to us about how it's OK for us when we see things that don't measure up with what we think God ought to be doing, that we talk to God about it. That's the first of his complaints. God answers that in verses 5 and following. We'll look at some of that in just a moment. But in chapter 1, verse 12, running through chapter 2, verse 1, Habakkuk gives a second complaint to God. And in that one, he uses some of what God has said or what Scripture says about God. And he uses it against God to say, hey, if this is true, then what's going on here? A little bit like we saw with Job back in those studies. But I, I want us to kind of settle in on this idea of it being okay for us to go to God with these kind of complaints. Um, and understand, I, I know that our religious sensitivities argue uh, against us being able to verbalize what we actually feel. Um, let, me, let me just take you back. I have, a, I have a scar on the little finger of my left hand. And it's a scar that's about that long, so it's almost the length of my little finger. And uh, it's a constant reminder for me about something that happened when I was in eighth grade. I was playing football, and um, we were in the pre-game, kind of getting everybody riled up for the game, kind of thing, you know, the team runs out, we have this big scrum on the sideline, uh, and then we were gonna go out to, uh, we were kicking off, and I was on the kickoff team, Uh, out on the end, next to the sideline, and my coach was standing there while we were waiting for the referee to kick us kick the game off and we could kick the ball off. I looked down and there was blood on all over my finger and I looked at it and I had ripped a piece of skin off that went from my knuckle all the way up almost to the tip of my finger. And so there was blood everywhere. And my coach happened to walk by and I held out my hand like that. I said, coach, I hurt my hand. And the coach looked at me and he said, well, what do you want, road Trauma? You want me to kiss it for you? <laughs> yeah, I didn't like that coach too much. But um, you know what that taught me? In my eighth grade mind, it taught me, don't complain when things aren't going well. When you have an illness, when you have an injury, Just suck it up and move on. Don't complain. Now, I've learned through the years, especially as I was passing that lesson to my children, unfortunately, uh, I learned that that's not necessarily a good way to live. But it underscores for us how sometimes we are with God when things are not going well and we're a little bit bloodied by the circumstances of our life then instead of taking our complaint, if you will, as Habakkuk did, or taking our honest uh, need for some kind of dialogue with God about what's going on or not going on, we just kind of pack it in because our religion says you just bow to God as sovereign and you just suck it up. Habakkuk tells us we don't have to do that. Moses in his own experience with God tells us we don't have to do that, but yet that's how we sometimes do. So I wanna say it's I wanna say it's okay for us to take those kind of things to God and to say, Hey, it's all right. Uh, I, I I understand your God, but I don't like what's going on or understand what's going on and have a genuine dialogue with God. That's the first principle we get here. You'll never get past your struggle if you don't call it what it is with God. Now, there's a caveat that goes with that. You can't just go to God and complain. If you're going to do that, you have to be open to what he's saying. You have to be willing to listen to what he has to say to us. And so there is this honest exchange. That's really what we're looking for. We're not just looking for a sounding board where we can just complain to God. If you want to just complain, go to social media because it's full of that kind of stuff. But in this Christian life, we're talking about growth and development and growing our trust and being able to hold on in hard times. And so you want to listen to what he has to say. So let's listen to what he says to Habakkuk. In verse 5, chapter 1, after Habakkuk's first complaint, God says in verse 5, Look among the nations and see, wonder, and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. I love that passage because God's saying essentially to Habakkuk, uh, I'm about to blow your mind with what I'm doing. Habakkuk only sees what he sees, but by being willing to go to talk to God about it and complain to God, it opens the dialogue and God's response is just hang on because I'm getting ready to blow your mind. In other words, I am still at work and this is gonna be a major thing. God is always at work. It was true for Habakkuk, it's true for us. Here's the second principle that grows out of this and then there's a corollary that goes to that one. Uh, We might need to stop and look more closely at what's going on. Uh, So we're able to go to him and say, hey, let's talk about this. But we need to be willing to pause and look more deeply than just at the surface level. Look again at verse five, two key verbs. God says, look and see. The corollary to this one is that uh, you might need to refine your perspective because because what God is doing and what he may be doing with us is not what we're expecting him to do. Sometimes when we hold expectations out for God that are not part of God's plans, and then he doesn't do them, that makes him suspect in our minds instead of us owning the fact that maybe we were trying to put him in a box. So look and see, he says. You might need to stop and look more closely, but when you do stop, look at what he says, and look at what he's doing and refined your perspective. That's also verse five. Look among the nations. If we read verses five B through six, let me just pick up in six. It says, for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize the dwellings, not their own. We could continue reading all the way through verse 11. And God is saying here, I'm going to use people that are the very definition of the things that's frustrating you about what you think I'm not doing. God is not stuck in a box and we do not get to control what he does or how he does it. Our role is to listen, to look, and to see and let him be who he is and do what he's doing. That's where chapter two, verse four comes in. And the just, the righteous shall live by their faith to trust God even when you don't know exactly what he's doing. So here's another discussion question for you. Spend a little time looking over this and we'll come back for our final segment shortly. So as we came into this sermon today, uh, we had a little video bumper to introduce it. And i just kind of take you back to that. And it showed something about the environmental crisis that we're facing and uh, it had a shot where someone is kind of up on a ledge looking down into a valley, and uh, sometimes we feel like that. With everything else that's going on, we kind of feel like things are just on the verge of being out of control, and if we take one wrong step, then we just fall. Um, And so, as we're coming to this whole discussion, not just today, but over the last several months in these messages, We've tried to underscore the fact that we have the opportunity to make a choice, that when we start feeling like we're, we're overwhelmed with what's going on, and I know many people are feeling that way. When we start feeling overwhelmed with what's going on, what do we do to hold on? How do we respond to that so that we, we can move through it in a way, not just surviving it, but thriving in it, as we talked about a long time ago now. Uh, so how do you do that? How do you, When you get fed up, when you get overwhelmed, how do you make it through? Habakkuk is giving us these principles that God uses to answer His problems and His struggles. And uh, so, with that in mind, let me just kind of underscore this truth: that we need some reminders because sometimes our remind uh, of, sometimes a situation uh, causes us to lose our perspective on what's going on, or maybe our perspective on what's going on is not all that hopeful. Let me use a, an analogy out of the sports world. Uh, most of you know that I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. I hope that that means you pray for me on a regular basis. It's not a, it's not a happy thing to be a Cowboys fan most of the time. Um, but I, I have this, this ingrained part of me now when the Cowboys are playing and it's a game that they really need to win. I don't have much hope that they're going to be able to pull it out. I'm thinking back a couple of years ago, they played a game against the Green Bay Packers. I think it was a playoff game, but it may have been to get into the playoffs. But uh, at the end of the game, the Cowboys were ahead, but Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers uh, got the ball and they were going to have to drive the field in order to win. And and just my heart sank as soon as Aaron Rodgers stepped on the field because I just knew that the Cowboys were going to fold. And they did. Sometimes our experiences uh, of failure. That's not failure. It's just the falling process. Sometimes that experience causes us to kind of reflect back to God and say, why should I hold on? So if, it, if our lack of trust was only limited to a sports team, that would be Okay. But when it starts getting into our everyday life, and especially into our relationship with God, where there's much more on the line, how do we do it then? you ever feel doubtful about God? Well, Thomas did. So we go from Habakkuk now to the New Testament, where we find the post-resurrection accounts of Jesus... And uh, you remember his disciples are gathered and he appears to them. Thomas is not there. And so when they're telling Thomas about this appearance and this uh, reunion with Jesus, Thomas says, I don't believe that. And matter of fact, he says, I don't believe it so much that I'm going to have to have some proof about this. And he goes so far as to say, unless I can stick my hand in the side where that spear went in, I'm just not going to believe. Thomas had been through enough. That caused all of his experience with Jesus to that point to fall off the edge, and all of a sudden now he is doubting. I think we need to be pretty careful about thinking we're better than Thomas. Thomas had a lot lot of experience with Jesus. He had a lot of reason to believe. But he teaches us that the, the situation in which we find ourselves can be so overwhelming that it causes us to shrink back a little bit and say, okay, so I'm not sure about this. Uh, We're not any better than he is. And so we can learn from him. And I I think one of the things I would say to us from that is there's always a situation out there that's bigger than our faith is today. And uh, sometimes God allows those bigger situations in as a way to stretch our faith, faith and to grow our faith. And so that gets us then to this last part of our message today and the final principle that I want to lay out. We're now in the last chapter of Habakkuk, chapter 3. And the last few verses, 17 through 19. Um, and and here's, here's what I want us to grab from this. I'll read it just a moment. But, but the principle is that when you find yourself doubting, when you find yourself on edge and you're just not sure that you're going to be able to hang on to your faith... Um, I think Habakkuk would tell us, go with what you know, stay with what you know. So when you do that, it allows us then for God to defy those circumstances. And in the defying of the circumstances, he shows us again that we can be confident in him. So in the midst of all that's going on with Habakkuk and ultimately what Habakkuk is concerned about will happen. And the children of the southern kingdom of Judah will go off into exile. But before that ever happens, Habakkuk is having this struggle with God. And he ends this way. Verse 17, chapter 3. And though the fig trees should not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. That's, that's all saying in this agrarian economy that you guys are running, uh, even when everything stops producing. That's verse seventeen. Verse eighteen picks up and he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. And then he closes with a statement to the choir master. All of that comes together for us to finally say, Habakkuk says, even though all these things are going wrong and my complaint before God is real and we've had this discussion, Habakkuk comes back and says, I'm going to go with what I know about who this God is. To close today, I just want to say to you, It's a good exercise for you to walk away, step back from everything that's going on around you and remember what you know about God. Look backwards in your life, trace his hand as he has walked you to this point in your life and understand God did not bring you this far only to abandon you now. So you hold on to what you know. That pushes me to uh, a poem and it's actually a hymn or it's made into a hymn. Uh, This was penned by a guy named uh, William Cooper. It looks like Cowper, but uh, it's pronounced Cooper. Uh, He's also the one, by the way, who wrote that poem that says God moves in mysterious ways His wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Uh, a lot of people think that's scripture, but it's actually just a poem that this guy wrote. Uh, and this guy, by the way, suffered from depression and suffered from a lot of things going wrong in his life. And so he writes this poem that becomes a great hymn of our faith based on these last three verses of Habakkuk 3. And here's what it says. The the title of the uh, the hymn is Sometimes a Light Surprises. Listen to these words. I'll read the first and the last stanza. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian while he sings. It is the Lord who rises with healing on his wings. When comforts are declining, he grants the soul again a season of clear shining to cheer it after rain. Final stanza. Though vine nor fig, neither their wanted fruit shall bear... Though all the fields should wither, no flocks nor herds be there, yet God the same abiding, his praise shall tune my voice. For while in him confiding, I cannot but rejoice. In these days of struggles, in these days that challenge our faith, hold on. Go with what you know about God. Rehearse that, review that, ask God to show you fresh things about him and about what he's doing and hold on because the just shall live by his faith. God bless you. We're praying for you. We'll see you next week.